invite you now, if you have a Bible with you, to open it up to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. Uh, you can also look at that in our bulletin. Uh, you can maybe make some notes around that as well. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sermon text is from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 3. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Don't listen. There are three things, there are three things that I desperately want you to ignore today. Three things. And the good news is that's the first part of the sermon, so yeah. Three things I want you to desperately ignore. The first is this. Ignore the voices that call to you and tell you that you have to look a certain way or be a certain thing as the world tries to impose its standards on you. We have spent decades now in a digital world, in an image-driven culture. Pictures are everything. And many people have taken advantage of that and have cultivated for themselves a different personality using those images and pictures online than how they might actually be in real life. And that's because one learns over time that if one presents a picture that looks this way, it will get likes and comments, and those will be translated into acceptance and love. It's hard not to feel that way. It's hard not to. And also, we laugh at the idea or the concept of a selfie, but few of us are actually innocent of not taking one. And while we're on the subject, I cannot help but bring up the fact that while we laugh at a generation that smiles for the camera for their own picture, there are many here who spend hours in a JCPenney trying to get their children to smile for pictures. Now when they themselves take a picture, they capture mostly their forehead and their faces are scowling because they're focused just trying to be in the camera at all. And I'm sorry, but that needed to be said. And so if the image that we like is not what what ends up being out there, we delete, edit, retake, retake, put this filter on, try this filter, shape it this way, turn, lean, here. We do everything we possibly can to cultivate an image that actually is trying to meet a standard that the world has imposed, saying, look this way, be that way. But it's not just social media. It's not just the digital world. It's other places as well, schools, sometimes struggle with this. We're, we're, we're praying for schools and blessing them, and there's so many rich things that come out of schools, but sometimes when there is a student who is completely different, who sees the world differently, who thinks differently, that child will struggle more than the one who is viewed as normal because they don't meet some kind of standard invented by somebody somewhere at some time. And churches do this too, of course. There's that president of the youth group, attender of every Bible study, leader of many Bible studies, faithful in worship there every single week. And this youth then becomes the standard by which all other youth are judged. And if someone does not quite live up to this, then we think there might be a struggle here or a challenge. And somehow along the way, that youth picks up that they're not quite as accepted as the other. And this goes on while the champion 
youth group member also has struggles that are quietly hidden. Because he or she is afraid to bring them out to talk about them. But you, today, are celebrating your baptism because you have received every good work that Jesus has done. You have received in your baptism the love of the Father, and you have received in your baptism that which makes you beautiful in the sight of God. Isaiah 54, verse 11. O afflicted, storm-tossed, and not comforted, behold, I will set your stones in antimony and lay your foundations with sapphire. I know the question on your mind is, what is antimony? I looked it up on dictionary.com this morning, and I read it, and I have forgotten what it said. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters is what's in front of this word antimony. O afflicted one, storm-tossed, and not comforted, God loves the people who look like they've just been through a hurricane. God loves the people who are beset by storms, both real and those that we feel inside. God loves those who look like they don't quit, quite fit in because they have been ravaged and, and, and hurt by the world. God loves, God loves the broken and what the world calls beautyless. He calls beautiful. You have received in your baptism this love and acceptance from God the Father that is not some sort of man-made info standard, but rather a free gift to you. And when God sees you, he sees his son Jesus. Because of that, you are loved, no matter what. Also, also, there's something else I want you to ignore. I want you to ignore people who manipulate you based on your emotions, especially those who try to drive you towards deeper anger. I'll give you a quick example of how this works. There's this youth group game called Eagle's Nest, and it's a game where you have two teams, and they play in a gym, so you're divided by the half-court line. And you have, at the end of each gym, or at the end of each side of the gym, you have a hula hoop, that's your nest, and inside of that hula hoop are three balls, three gym balls, you know, the rubber ones or the styrofoam ones, whatever. Uh, and that's, those are your eggs. And so your team is supposed to guard your nest. So way in the back of the gym is the nest, and there are all the defenders in front of it trying to stop somebody from crossing over the half-court line and getting into the nest and taking out a ball and bringing it back to their side. If you're tagged, you're frozen in place until somebody can come and free you from your team. So I hope that was a clear enough explanation because I'm going to tell you how I played it. In Eagle's Nest, especially when there's a large group, I learned this trick and it worked amazingly well. You see, what I would do is that whenever the whistle would blow, I would be standing on my team's side and then once the sound to start began, I would step over across the half-court line and face my team, looking as if I was on my opponent's team. And so then I would you know, take a step back. I would talk to another teammate. teammate. Hey, how you doing? How's it going? These guys are pretty good, right? They're sneaky. You gotta watch out for them. 
And occasionally, whenever someone would start to notice me or question my standing there, I would say, oh no, we got a runner. And I would point out actually my own team members who were trying to sneak across on the other side. And sometimes I would pretend to chase them, but never quite catching them, which isn't a problem for me because I'm not that fast. So I looked like I was giving full effort, and I was, but they were in no danger. And so anyhow, I would continue to step back and step back closer and closer to the nest where the eagle's eggs were. And I would wait until there was one last egg. All the while saying, look over there. We might have a runner over there. Get that person. Stepping closer and closer. And then when that last egg was there, I would step into the nest, grab the ball, and run across. And thus, we would win the game. And you know, sometimes that trick even worked on the same people twice in a day. <laughs> it's amazing. Very easy. Be warned of people in real life circumstances who work like that. There are so many people who will say, look, the outrage is over there. You see those people? You see them? You see what they've done? Well, let me tell you what they've done. Let me tell you how they've hurt others. Let me tell you how they've thrown away opportunities that our society and culture has tried to give them. Wasteful. Look at them. You see what color their skin is? There are some people that will say, Look at those people. Look at the violence that they have perpetuated on innocent people. People who did not deserve death got death from these people. Look at them. Be mad at them. You see them? They wear a badge. There are some people even now, even during this time of pandemic, will look and say, do you see that person who's not wearing a mask? Look at them. Look at them. Ignorant of science, not wearing a mask. And other people will say, look at that person wearing a mask. There's most of you in here doing that. Sheep! <laughs> All sheep being manipulated and controlled. Point your outrage that way. In fact, in my lifetime, I cannot think of a single election, a single election that wasn't one, whether I liked the candidate or not, that wasn't one where at one point the candidate said, that person over there, those people are to blame for the problems in this country. Be mad at them. Vote for me. I'll help you out. There are people in this world, wolves among sheep, if you will, that will point out where you should put your outrage. But that doesn't work well for the Christian. Because we are called to be people of peace. We are called, yes, to, to highlight problems where there are, to speak boldly wherever there is a challenge, to speak truth in a world that doesn't like to hear truth, and to be strong about it, for sure. But Right now, what we have going on are so many people who point you only to anger and only to blame, but they offer no solution past that. But we have that solution. We have the gospel that restores. We have the gospel that hears. And so I encourage you to ignore those voices, but choose your words in this life carefully. Because what you say represents the Lord who you serve. What you condemn, one might think Jesus also condemns. What you are against, one might think Jesus is also against. And one, especially who you say is not worthy of forgiveness, a person might think that the Lord believes the same thing about them. Ignore those who try to play upon your emotions only and manipulate your anger. One last thing to ignore. Ignore the myth that says you're young, you got time. There's some things you do have time for. But there's one particular thing you don't. 
you do have time to grow and mature. You do have time to make lots of mistakes and recover from them. Just make sure nobody captures them on a phone. And you do have time to grow in the skills that you want to develop that you'll use later on in life. You do have time to explore hobbies. And most importantly, you have time to still be a kid. You have time to be young. But you don't have time. You don't have time to throw away opportunities to hear God's word and grow in it. If we remember back to the small catechism, Luther's explanation of the third commandment says, and that's the one about keeping the Sabbath day holy, he says, we should not despise preaching in his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. Something that we hold sacred is something that we turn our attention to. We don't have time to throw away opportunities. And, and you also are coming up into a time where you have generations that perhaps have had a far too casual attitude about church, about worship, about receiving the gifts of God. It is viewed as a choice whether or not, rather than a lifeline for the disciple. It is an option on a Sunday morning rather than a much-needed meal or otherwise starve. We maybe haven't done the best in teaching, but I want you to hear it now. Do not throw away opportunities to grow in God's word. The world needs disciples that know the Bible better than previous generations did. The world needs mature Christians because the challenges that are coming for you are many. Today is not a graduation. It is a launching into the most dangerous spiritual season of your life until the next one. And that's even more dangerous. It's called the world. It's terrible. But then, I hope all of you are hearing this too, brothers and sisters in Christ. These are not junior disciples, nor have they been. They are equal in disciples, in discipleship to you, equal in their call, equal in the forgiveness and mercy that they have received, and equal also in the roles that God has given them. Yes, those roles might grow as they mature, but I ask you to lean in. I ask you to lean in and get to know them. I ask you to lean in and to listen to them. I ask you not to give them the jobs in the church that all the adults don't want to do. Please, I ask you to lean in in your prayers for them. I ask you to turn your attention towards these and help develop them as leaders in the church. This is something you can do. If you think hard enough, it probably was somebody that did it for you. There's a starting point. But ignore all, all voices that tell you, ah, you got time when it comes to God's word. But what do you listen to then? And how do you hear it? Isaiah 55, verse 1. And English translations usually begins with come or something like that. It's some sort of word of invitation to, to come here. But there's a word that doesn't appear in your English translations. In fact, I don't know if there's any that has this word that whenever you look up in Isaiah 55, verse 1 in the Hebrew Bible, you would find. And that's not a big scandal. It doesn't really change the meaning of the verse, so don't get all the Benchy code. It just means that there's this little funny word that, that doesn't carry over very well into English because it's not really even a word. It's a sound. It's a sound. And Isaiah 55, verse 1, when you, when you read the Hebrew Bible, it, it, it's, it's not a word. It, it starts like this, hoy, <laughs> sort of like ahoy, or hey there, 
right? Which is kind of weird to put in, into English, so we understand now why it might not be there. But Isaiah starts off with this word, this sound, hoy, because he wants you to pay attention. He wants you to hear closely what he has to say next. And now as we look at what he says, Isaiah 55, verse 2, says, listen diligently to me. The word listen in Hebrew is shema. When we're talking about the word shema, when you hear something or shema something, it's not just receiving information, but it's listening that is connected very intimately and closely to doing. And so whenever you shema something, you're expected to hear it and take it in, but also then put those words into action right away. Listen diligently, shema. And then also verse 3, it says, incline your ear, incline your ear. Uh, a more literal translation is this, stretch out your ear, which comforts me, actually, because if I were to stretch out both of my ears, then I would be a great listener for God. I would be the best listener because my ears are bigger than yours. All right. And so Isaiah 55, verse 3 says, incline your lean in, or if you want to hear it more literally, stretch out your ear. And then finally, again, here we have in verse 3, hear that your soul may live. Another Shema. Hear, listen actively, listen and do. Shema. Hear that your soul may live. So hoy, Shema. Stretch out your ear and Shema again. Listen to what Isaiah has to tell you. He says, listen diligent to me and eat what is good. There are so many who tell you what you need to do to be good, and so they try to impose their standards upon you, but you believe in the author and inventor and source of good. When God created the heavens and the earth, after each day he looked at what he created and he said, it is good. And finally, after he created man and woman, he said, it is very good. This same God who invented good now gives faith in your hearts. He has spoken to you so that you might one day also hear his promised words. Well done, good and faithful servant. We cling to the word of God. We listen to it above all others because we know that there's one who is capable of making us good. He's not up in heaven saying, come up here and meet this standard. He has come down to you and he is shaping your heart with his word. He is doing the work in you and he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And also lean in, listen, stretch out your ear and listen. And this takes discipline because, again, there are so many other places in this world that will try to manipulate your emotions. And the end of all that and the end of living off anger and the end of living off of blame is guilt and shame when you realize that that is the road to nowhere. And so your heart and mind and conscience that might lead you one way oftentimes will lead you into a dead end. And when we get in those places, lean in, stretch out your ear. When guilt overwhelms you, stretch out your ear and hear the gospel that is always proclaimed for you, that your sins are forgiven, that the gifts in your baptism are real. Stretch out your ear. And listen to it above your heart, even when your heart condemns you. Listen to it above your mind, even when it brings that list of failures back at you again. Hear the word of Christ. You are indeed forgiven. And then this last one says this, hear that your soul may live. This is our urgency. And this is why I say we don't have time to throw away opportunities to hear God's word, to grow in his word. 
to be wasteful with worship. Listen that you might live. Isaiah 55 verse 3 also says, I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast love, sure, for David. Listening and doing, right? So when we hear something, we're supposed to do something. And if we read through Isaiah, we know that, that we're supposed to hear an invitation to come to a feast. And at, that, and at that feast, we're supposed to take the free gifts that God gives, that Jesus gives, right? Well, how does that all come together? Where does that eating happen? Where, where does that hearing and doing come together? It comes together for us in Matthew 26, where Jesus says, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Take, drink, this is the blood of the new covenant shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Isaiah points us to that covenant that God will make, and Jesus clarifies it. Come forward, come now, hear, and do. Hear the invitation that is yours to take and eat. I've shared with you before in confirmation class, one of the most amazing things about communion is that no matter the week that you have had, no matter the way that perhaps you've been distracted from discipleship or the failures that have racked up, over the previous seven days, our Lord is a faithful friend who comes, just like he says, just when he says he will be there. So come and take what you really need. Take a step away from all the things that the world tells you you should desire and come forward and receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Hear his invitation and follow up on it. And do not let yourself be torn away from it. Receive his body and blood There's so many things to listen to. Or actually, I should say, so many things to ignore. There's so many things to shut out. There's so many things that you need not pay attention to. But the gospel for us today is that there is one voice, only one voice, that you need to hear. And that voice was silenced only in death, but now he lives forevermore, being raised from the dead, stepping out of the grave. It is the voice of your Lord Christ, who is your Savior your friend, an abiding comfort to you. Today, as you've been confirmed, not let go of his voice, lean in and hear it. You might also have life.